Today it's warm enough to leave the windows wide open, even though the birch trees haven't put out any leaves yet. Father got his command 11 years ago, and we left Moscow and came here. It was the beginning of May then, too. I remember exactly. Moscow was already full of flowers. It was warm, and there was sunshine everywhere. That was 11 years ago, and I remember it all exactly, just as if we'd only left Moscow yesterday. Oh, my. This morning, I woke up and realized it was springtime. Everything was so bright. I felt such a wave of happiness inside me, and I wanted so much to go back home. The theater, the theater. Theater. To be or not to be. Theater. Theater. The plane's the thing. Hello. Hello, everybody. Theater. 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 Russian theater. How you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. How are y'all? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you Fails, know, I'm at the... I'm sorry, Siege. I didn't mean to jump on you. Go on. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Move on. What? How are you, Bailey? <laughs> wow. I am <laughs> fantastic. I, yeah, I feel like I haven't talked to you guys uh, outside of pod stuff in a while, but I, I'm back at work. I'm back at the Playhouse this week. Nice. Yes. Uh. Back in a theater space, which I know we're, we've all just kind of been um, yearning for, and now I'm getting it, and I it, it is quite nice. So I'm just excited for everything that's like coming, in, you know, in 2021 with theater. I think there's going to be a big resurgence of people going to see theater. Ooh. I think uh, there's going to be some really beautiful things going on in terms of uh, yeah, for once. Uh, I think there's going to be. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's some really great things coming out of this as well in terms of just how we're going to adapt to it in terms of, you know, maybe putting some things on camera and yeah. uh, letting people who don't feel so comfortable going out to the theater uh, still get a little taste, a little test of test. <laughs> test of test. A test of test. Test of test. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys drinking today, by the way? What you drinking? Well, in, in, in vodka, hey. in, in, in honor of subject, uh, Chekhov. Yes, subject. I guess in I should probably introduce the podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater theater people made by uh, three theater theater uh, makers uh, from the L.A. theater theater scene. I am J. Bailey Barham. I am C.J. Merriman. <laughs> I'm Scott Leggett. I'm an American, yeah. and I'm proud we're gonna, of it. We're going to stop okay. that now. Hello. We're each members of the How Sacred Fools Theater Company, and each week we're going to get together. We're going to talk about plays and playwrights that we have strong opinions on. And yes. we discuss, we debate, and we disseminate all yes. over them. And this, my friends, is our episode. This is a, a long-awaited one, but also... It's a big one. It's a big one. Uh, this is our episode on Anton Pavlovich Chekhov. <laughs> oh. Huzzah! He and he and my friend Boris uh, bought me some stoli for today. I got nice. stoli too. I've got um, I've got some sort of semi fancy Rish, actual Russian. How nice for you! Oh. Well, we had a coupon. 
Well, I went to grocery outlet and I got myself a real cheap bottle of Stoli. And I, I said, I have you. not ever drank this. I should maybe try it for once. And yeah, uh, yeah it takes on the takes on the flavor of whatever you make. I made myself a cherry limeade. It's delicious. Ooh. I am fantastic. I, yeah. I don't do vodka much. I had um, uh, a rather intense experience in high school. That one does. Oh, I've heard this story. That involved a gallon of screwdrivers. um, (laughs) Oh my god! A A gallon. A a gallon. A gallon of screwdrivers. um, Mm. Three, two buddies, um, a a can of Pringles, and um, y'all were hashing some shit out too, right? Uh, We were hashing. Yeah, it was. There was. uh, It was my friend Shmoo. Shmoo. Comrade Shmoo? Shmoo. Comrade Shmoo um, uh, acted as a liaison to help um, uh, help us recover. But it was a hell of a night. Uh, it ended with uh, with me trying to me, me puking into a t-shirt it's that I tried to like. It's a good story. It's a long story and I don't want to get into, into the whole thing now. Suffice to say uh, it was like the beginning of my senior year of high school and I got in a lot of trouble because I was fucking wasted and it all happened like before like nine o'clock like i was home drunk at nine o'clock on a saturday my parents wide awake and uh i have two questions for you yes one did conrad smew spew no shmoo i apologize i meant shmoo did shmoo spew Um, and the second question i have for you to create a trigger uh-huh. Um, but did you, uh, what flavor were the Pringles? Ooh, just plain, just plain. Oh. Yeah. okay. All right. Because yeah. I know sometimes when you get extra drunk and you eat a certain snack, you cannot eat it ever again. No, it oh. wasn't. It wasn't that bad, but it was a long time before I drank vodka again. Yeah, I went a little Dexter's Lab on that Ooh. last one. <laughs> Murph. Um, Murph. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, fucking, how how how's your last few weeks been uh, reading all this shit, guys? How you feeling? I'll tell you what. It was I I I think that we all kind of dreaded it. To be honest, like sure. we've we've commented like, oh god, we're gonna need the Chekhov. Yeah. Um, my relationship with Chekhov, and we'll get more into it later, is weird. I've always kept him at a distance, mm-hmm. other than studying him as required in class. I hadn't had a lot of great um, uh, experiences in terms of I haven't seen a lot. I've seen a lot, but I haven't necessarily seen a lot of good Chekhov. Right. Um, Tends to be the case. And so I kind of had cast him. uh, I don't I don't want to deal with him. Um, This was a real rediscovery. And um, I fell in love with Uncle Vanya again. Um, and not that I, I, I like the others as well. And we'll talk about all that, but I really fell in love with Vanya again and just was reminded of a great artist that I had dismissed for too long. Um, and then we'll get into more detail, uh, as we go on. I get that. What about you, Siege? How are you feeling? Well, I was dreading the shit out of it. I was just yeah. kind of prepared to read boring plays about people that I can give a shit about. Right. And then um, what I ended up doing was, again, yay, LA Theater Works. All of the main ones that we're going to discuss, they had reading versions of. Yeah. And um, for me, that's that's what really worked well for me. And I enjoyed the plays so much more than I thought I would. But the best part about revisiting Chekhov was literally just today. I had a Zoom call 
with one of the most influential teachers and people in my life. Uh, one of my wife's husbands, Larry Schmidt, he was my mentor for my religion degree. And he uh, wrote his dissertation on the Moscow Art Theater. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, but we just, we had a great conversation today. And I just, I love him. And he had so much, so many good things to say. And that was the highlight of getting back into Chekhov for me. I love that. Yeah. I do want to be clear to our listeners, though, that CJ neither has multiple wives, nor do her wives have multiple husbands. <laughs> Which, by the way, she stated that sentence sounded like one of my wives' husbands uh, does this. Thing. Oh, her dad, not her husband, her dad. Oh, oh and now got it's, it. Now dad. it's weird. Now it's weird. Oh. Um. <laughs> one of my father-in-laws, father's-in-law. Speaking of incest. Speaking of, <laughs> did you yeah, see? No. Did you see the thing? We had a, a friend of ours and a friend of the podcast, Travis Snyder Eaton, posted Trav. this thing on my Facebook page, and it was, it was, it was a high school event where kids were blindfolded, and then their parents kissed yes. them. Yes. And it is. <laughs> Girl, you have got to go to my page and watch this what? because problem, you're going yeah. to free and then read the comments the because all of our that... friend, all of our collective friends lose their fucking minds <laughs> yeah, and how disturbing a, this is. It's a very disturbing video and even worse on top of it is like, I mean, go watch it, but worse is that how much they're all super into it. All the parents are into it. The like, parents are like grabbing ass and shit. Oh, was yeah. this the same high school in Georgia where all of the kids went in and without any masks on? And the no, were well, no. you know, I just assumed. So come in and get COVID and then kiss your parents. Well, yeah, but it was pretty mm. recent. And I guess, well, I mean, I don't know. Get it where you can, I guess. Wow. Incest is trending. We don't have any incest in Chekhov. Uh, which yeah, puts him, which, which puts him a, no, a notch above a, a notch above Shakespeare. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. Cool. 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 Uh, incest aside, my relationship <laughs> with Chekhov. My my relationship with Chekhov is basically that when I was introduced to him, it was introduced to me as this is the greatest thing, uh -huh. and I was sort of like, oh, okay. And they were like, respect. This is about respecting this. Like, you need to understand that this is a huge deal. Because I was in a realism class, and that's what you do, right? So yeah. I was like, okay. I read first, I read uh, Vanya and directed a scene from it and, like, all this stuff. And I was like, sure, cool. Yeah, I get it. I like this. <clears throat> then I read Cherry Orchard. And mm. I was like, wow, this guy is boring as all fuck. I want nothing to do with the rest of his plays. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I saw a scene from the seagull, specifically the Nina Treplev scene at the end of uh, of the play. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's such a good one. <laughs> fucking just hit me in the right place as an uh -huh. artist. And then I was like, okay, I'm in love with this. Read the whole play. I was like, this might be my favorite play ever. However through my years has changed and things have changed about my feelings of Chekhov. I have never seen a good production of any of his plays. Oh, we're on the same You got to have good yeah. people to do it. That's my problem, which is yeah. hard for me because I'm like, I've seen good at least of every, even I've even seen good Godot, you know, where it, like at, in high schools where I was like, mm -hmm. wow, you actually got that. Like, well Beckett? done. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just meant, like Godot oh. specifically. Oh, oh. Because Godot is one of those that I think, you know, every high school has picked it up at some point or like every college, but it's usually just like, oh yeah, you did Godot, good job. But like I've seen, I've seen community 
productions of shows like that that I was like, yeah, you did it. Good. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a Chekhov play in any, even, I've even, I even saw one at a Shakespeare Fest. And every time I've been like, ugh, that was quite boring. I have a lot to say about it now on this revisit, but as a viewer of theater, it makes me so freaking sad that I've just never seen anything like worth my time with well, him. Well, I think <clears throat> I've seen a lot. I think yeah, and we'll get into it as we go. I think that there's such an aura around him, aura around him, aura. And, and you know, like you said when you were introduced to him, it was like you respect you must bow down before Chekhov yeah. and I think that right. I think what my what I realize now maybe it's because I'm older um was how accessible it is yeah that it's for sure. you and me that it's for you and me it's for regular folk and once you kind of get past that and you know some you know cultural slash language slash translation differences I think it's entirely accessible. I also think, you know, and again, we'll dive into this later, translation and language becomes a huge issue. It's, and it's sure. been, it's, you know, haunted the 20th century of the English versions of it have been haunted. And I think finally, as we've gotten actually pretty recently, I think when you look at like mid-century stuff, a lot of the translations are bad. Like right. I, I, for... Yeah. For Cherry Orchard and for Three Sisters, I listened and or watched one version while reading another, and it's striking. Like, CJ and I had a little text thing about it, and she's like, how different could it be? And I'm like... It's not a fucking religion. I was like, it's real fucking different. It's really fucking different, because... It's well, yeah, really and, different, and, and Russia and I, Russian is very different than English. Like they don't even have oof, like oof. articles. Yeah, like no. you know V and A. <laughs> yeah. So you say I am the seagull or I am a seagull. Those mean two totally different right. things. Totally different things. And but well, to I, say, but to say one or the other, every translation is different. In fact, I think there's only one translation. It's the Michael Frayn, writer of Noises Off, translation in the seagull that is I am the seagull. Whereas the rest are, I am a seagull, and it's like, and then, yeah. and, and then the other thing is that it all kind of like lives in this weird thing where some are translated for uh, academic purposes to like be as literal as possible. Some are purely for performance, perf uh, you know, uh, reasons. Some are like, you know, Tom Stoppard took it and was like, I totally want to change the meaning of some of this shit and like yeah. context of some of this shit. Like, it's crazy. So, yes, I feel like translations and stuff like that are a big part of this conversation. But also I, go ahead, CJ. Well, I was just going to say that um, I think the other thing, too. Now, when we when we did Chekhov, when I was in school, second semester, sophomore year acting class was dedicated to Ibsen and Chekhov, and what I was told was, if you really want to understand Chekhov, you need to understand the time that he was writing in and writing about. So I took a class with Larry uh, that was Civilization and the Arts uh, in Tsarist Russia, and it wasn't connected to conservatory at all, but it gave me a better understanding because it's really kind of like Russian comedia, and it's a Russian way of thinking, sure. which is something that we as Americans don't really get. Well, and I, that's a great segue, actually, because we are connoisseurs of context. We love to know why he was writing about what he was writing, what he was doing, what the history of all this shit is. So 
Why don't we pass it off to Scott, Ooh. the historian Leggett? I want to hear some history. I need some context on this mofo. Okay. Pavlovich. Yeah, and, and it gets really interesting, and there was like a, there was a whole other layer of shit that I kind of found yesterday. I was like, oh, this explains Whoa. it all. Um, yeah, so Whoa. Anton Pavlovich Chekhov was born January Pavlovich. 29th, 1860. So 1860s is an important date, because what happens in 1861 is that Alexander II, the czar at the time, uh, ends serfdom. He serfdom. He ends slavery, right. which is is it's an awesome mirror to America, um, where slavery also ended in the 1860s. Well, did it? <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, the, the bill passed. The Thirteenth yeah. Amendment was put in yeah. place. Right. Well, let's say that. Um, but Mark it's up. interesting because I think that when we, as you look at uh, his Chekhov's brief life. His lead up and uh, is all a preface. It is all a transitional period between Tsarist Russia and the rise of the Bolsheviks and the rise of, of, of communism. And we'll Which, more... I mean, we'll get into that deeply because, I mean, a huge theme of all of his work is modern versus old, right? Well, it's and... new, new versus old. What is the What are the transitional times of your own life? Basically? Looking, yeah, n nostalgia, looking back, feeling logged, lost. Mm -hmm. um, he was it. born in uh, uh, Tegenrok. Tegenrok, to to man. Hey. <laughs> I get wait till all of our Russian listeners are screaming at oh, all. Oh, they're gonna. I know. Yeah, I know. We've, so, we've been quite offensive with our accents already. Oh, but wait till we get. Wait until. Wait until we <laughs> get into point, the names. Like, yeah. And I have a funny drunk story about uh, the names of, of uh, Chekhovian characters later. Uh, but he uh, he was born in uh, Tegenrok, which was a port city in uh, Rostov Oblast, Russia. Uh, on the Sea of Azov. Ow. Uh, <laughs> no, I had a similar reaction. Um, he, he was the third of six surviving children. Um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of babies being born and babies dying, kids dying, um, which we'll all obviously also see. Um, we love dead AKA babies on this podcast. Oh, man, dead babies uh, drive Yikes. a lot of things. His father... Uh, uh, Pavel Yegorovich Chekhov. Mm, <laughs> yes. Pavel. 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 Uh, Pavel. Um, he ran a grocery store. He led the church choir. And he was highly abusive. Uh, Horrible person. Yeah. Well, and then, until his later life, and then there seemed to be a, a switch that got flipped. And he ended up being chilling out a little bit. Yeah, uh, but that kind of ends up being like, you know, Chekhov sort of takes that and uses it as his like model for duplicity of man. Oh, right? yeah. Or, oh, like... it's his absolute fixation <laughs> on hypocrisy is based yeah. entirely on his father. Um, Absolutely. Here's the other interesting thing. Um, uh, so Chekhov's grandfather, Pavel's father, mm. um, was had been a serf and he basically bought mm. his way out of serfdom. And you can see... Huh. And here, as that, uh, especially in the cherry orchard. Woo! Right. <laughs> what's his name in the cherry orchard? I'll get into that. Oh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Chekhov's mother is uh, Yevgenia. Yeah. Yevgenia. Yevgenia. <laughs> Morozova is her, uh, was her maiden name. 
And she uh, was known for her storytelling. Uh, she entertained the children with uh, tales of her travels. Uh, her her father had been a cloth merchant, uh, so she grew up traveling all over Russia, uh, selling cloth. And she had a wonderful sort of worldview and and humor and um, and ability to tell stories that would uh, last for a long time. Chekhov became a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, he studied. He was uh, a busy man in his short life. He did a lot That's of true. shit. And <laughs> so basically what happened was because of a bad, uh, the family got the family got screwed over, got hustled in some sort of deal. And so Chekhov's dad and the family moved to Russia, split. He stayed in town. He finished medical school or finished school, then went to medical school. Uh, he became a doctor. Um, while he was studying to become a doctor, he started writing short stories and little uh, little jokes and little things that would be published in newspapers. And that's basically how he supported his life. So he always referred to uh, medicine being his wife and the writing being his mistress and that he couldn't uh, be one without the other. But he, he wrote a lot. He had a lot of tuberculosis. A mm. lot. Twas the time. Twas the time, but he had a lot of tuberculosis. I uh, love that Teebs. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he would get it. He kind of ignored it for a long time. Then mm. he kind of had to deal with it. Then he kind and of kind of went away. blood, and then he uh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah all of it. Uh, uh, not and, to make light of TB. No, like, not. I'm hilarious. not making light of it. You know. Well, we've kind of beat him. It right is funny. Now, so. yeah, um, we've beaten it. He was known. I'm beat um, you. Uh, as time went on he did all kinds of stuff he obviously practiced medicine but then he did a uh, tour of Siberia and of penal colonies where he did census work can you say Uh, that one more time penal colonies one more time for me penal colonies (laughs) that's all I needed thanks keep going you're welcome and so um, really what this did was it, it exposed him to all kinds of all the provinces and personalities throughout Russia. And he really became, as we all well know, uh, just a fantastic observer of human behavior. Personality in Russia? Yes. I, I don't know what um, you're talking about. We do not have, have words he, for this. These words. Um, but he was considered uh, Russia's most elusive literary bachelor. Um, mm. He preferred um, liaisons. A bit of an Arthur Miller. A little bit. Well... He uh, he he liked to do brothels. <laughs> oh, I see. He preferred. Hey, brothels. I'm pro sex work, pro ho here. Yeah, legalize it. Yes. Um. So yeah. So he <laughs> legal. So he uh, engaged with sex workers. He he just. I think he was so busy. He was doing so much. If he wasn't writing. Uh, perpetually and running uh, medical practice, uh, he just did not have time for the ladies, you know, in terms of setting up, you know, dates and like buying things. So like, who's got the time? Who's got the time to deal with the ladies? Uh, That was until 1901 when um, an actress named Olga Nipper, um, uh, (laughs) Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. Let's it's pronounced Knipper? Knipper? <laughs> Whatever it might be. Um, Knish? She would, uh, she would play, uh, end up playing like Masha in Three Sisters. She would be 
um, cool. Yelena in Uncle Vanya. He wrote uh, a lot of stuff for her. They married in 1901, so they weren't together very long before uh, he passed away. At the age of 44, he wow. did everything before the age of 44. Wow. I'm too old already. I'm too right? old. Right? It's just stunning. <laughs> he also uh, looks like 60 in all of the pictures. All of them, yeah. yeah. Even, <laughs> like, even in, like the, when he's in his 20s in school. Yeah. Like, he just And he didn't age. It's like he went right. from like tw- 13 or 14 to 60. Yeah. And that's where he stayed all the way he through. He was born with that beard and those glasses on. And those glasses, For sure. Yeah. Um, she lived until 1959, and I guess there are Shit. some there's some interviews and and cool stuff that <gasps> I didn't cool. get to. Yeah, but yeah, she was she was recorded um, uh, being interviewed and, and all that. Um, but he was kind of you know uh, in a lot of ways a Russian Hemingway sort of a you know man's man. Sure. Although ironically. Uh, Hemingway did not care for Chekhov and kind of dismissed him other than interesting. Like he was, he had like two or three specific stories, short stories that he loved from Chekhov and otherwise yeah. kind of, um, dismissed him. Um, he, he, he was kind of commissioned to do plays, but wasn't necessarily into writing plays. Uh, his first one was, uh, uh, Ivanov, Ivanov. Um, Ivanov, I've, Ivanov, um, which I've never seen and I've never read. Uh, he wrote that in 1887. It was pretty successful, but he didn't think much of it, and then he kind of dismissed it. Um, but that's kind of the big stuff. And then we get, yeah. uh, then we get into um, uh, the Seagull, which he did in 1890. Eh, if you want to get really tricky about stuff, he wote the Wood Demon in 1889. And then he kind of ended up becoming Uncle Vanya, right? That became, uh, and I read it in college as part Uh of studying Uncle Vanya. And I don't have memory of it other than it was bigger, bigger Mm -hmm. in the sense that there were more characters. There was like a shit ton of character, more characters Mm -hmm. in it than, um, um, than in Uncle Vanya, which I think is his most intimate play, you know. Certainly, the smallest. Certainly, cast. yeah, for sure. Um, but um, so, yeah, um, and that's kind of where that's kind of the, the history. He, you know, he um, he is the most frequently produced playwright after William Shakespeare on planet yeah. Earth. Okay, <laughs> he kind of lives in that zone too with Shakespeare, and this kind of goes in with what we were talking about earlier, where you know it's always presented as like oh this is Chekhov this is a thing like Shakespeare is is its own thing right. Chekhov is its own thing and I you know I'm of the school that's always sort of like if that's the ultimate then why are we still making new theater you know so I as much as I love and appreciate Shakespeare and Chekhov so much and think they've you know, created so many platforms for us to then bound off of, right? I just, there is that part of me always that's like, he's not the end all beat all. And I just, we just have to start the podcast. I feel like he was, he was a game changer. You know, he was, you know, he was in a sim, well, he was in a similar school with Ibsen and uh, Strindberg Strindberg and, and those guys. And, and I get it. Like, I think, revisiting this time around like i really get it and kind of appreciate where where and what what he did to change things up right like i get it and um just the idea that you could write plays about real people that weren't kings and queens and weren't trying to change the world that were literally just sitting around drinking vodka one night and 
all of their their little problems are as big as all any other problems and right that idea was revolutionary and and important it's like and watching, oh my god it, important in russia at that yeah time. it's like right. watching old russian hangout movies like american graffiti dazed and confused like like yeah. movies that are just about hanging out they're not really about like they're about character and they're about dynamic and they're about like social interaction they're not really about like plot or like fucking whatever else you know what i mean like there's it's a hangout film he's writing hangout films he was Mm. he he, he like created the genre and they're and they're loaded and and he's link later uh, in a lot of ways he is like that those quiet 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 moments that are loaded with so much Everybody Wants Some is a Chekhov play. (laughs) Which I fucking love that movie. Um, Can we get into... Go ahead. Well, I just had a history question. Wasn't... I mean, something that was um, big with him, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like at the time when he was writing, that was also when all of those other great... Because he mentions it in the plays too. All the other great Russian writers at the time were writing and famous at the same time as he was. Right. It was like Turgenev, a Tol- Tolstoy, Tolstoy, all those guys, yeah. right? right? It was like an arts and literature renaissance in Russia, right? So it's like he was sort of competing with all that. And that's very much, in my opinion, what the seagull is about. And we'll right. get into that. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is sort of my um, like favorite quote of his, um, which is... And this is what sells me on him as an artist completely and, and sort of what I think his whole oeuvre is, which is the writer creates the story not to answer the reader, but to ask questions. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. That clicked with me so hard as a creator. Because That's I think his a thesis lot of right that now, runs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, that, of, that runs through all of his shit. Right. Exactly. His short stories and everything. Yeah. It goes back to that nine people's favorite thing, right? It's like, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing and have them get it and really take something from it than a hundred <laughs> people's ninth favorite thing and have them be like, oh yeah, sure, I guess. But like, I, I think his ultimate, what really sells me on him and what sells me as an artist or what, what excites me as an artist is this idea of like, yeah, we are not meant to give you the answers as as theater artists especially or as filmmakers and and theater writers like we are not necessarily putting something up to say this is the truth now you know you are now educated right, right. we right. are presenting our own qualms and questions with life presenting those questions to you and 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 presenting our own feelings about them and allowing you to take what you want from that and take it home and fucking smoke it right yeah. so I think him saying that in the time that he did is just, it makes me like him so much more. And it made me more excited to read these plays. And then I did. And the first one I read, which we should probably go ahead and start talking about, is Three Sisters. Three sisters. It seems yeah. like it's, it's my sitcom. You know, this was the one that I'd never read or seen, actually. Yeah. But what? I have seen and read a million different versions of Three Sisters. Because I feel like Three Sisters out of all of them is the one that somebody's like, I wrote a play. It's based on Three Sisters. You know right. what I mean? There's yes, so many Three Sisters so plays. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like, I, didn't we, didn't Fool's 
do oh a uh, value of moscow value yes. of moscow yes. yeah like yeah, directed like, by carrie karen and it went really like was pretty well received and yeah. yeah i feel like that's one of those those plays that definitely has the bones to modernize it has the bones to do weird things with and I, it has been people have taken it in a hundred different directions because it is about the relationship rather wow. than the outside Right. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about what's happening on the outside of them, which I, no. I think is why it's easy to translate. Mm -hmm. No. Um, why don't I we. I said, uh huh. <laughs> why um, don't we take we, a break? We should, but we back. might as well play uh, Pam's song now because it's actually <gasps> okay. about three sisters. I love this one. It's really beautiful. And she, she takes the, the idea of three sisters and she does three different harmonic, melodic fucking uh, parts. And it's beautiful. Uh, it's pretty badass. Let's, let's play it. We're going to intro our discussion of Three Sisters with Pamela Quinn's Three Sisters. Yes. Right now. <laughs> Teach a girl to marry and she'll marry well she will. And I would have married them if they had asked me still. Hold you close and keep you safe, my daughter, so you seem. My life is just a lesson taught, the rest seems like a dream. A dream. I thought I knew just what I wanted, but I'm haunted by my choice. A, a girl so young, her life ahead, you know that she won't have a voice. A I remember being wait for Pam to be on here and soon we won't be doing no. these stupid zooms stupid stupid zooms yeah we're gonna have uh Pam on actually for our next sixth episode topic which is uh movie musicals oh, oh my god right. oh, oh my god, god. I've oh been listening god. I've been listening to the Jesus Christ Superstar movie soundtrack this whole Ooh. last week, coincidentally. And the movie, oh like the old, legit uh, the one? one from the late seventies. Yeah, that I is just... so the the heaven on their minds. Uh, uh, so Carl good. Anderson. So period. Carl anyway. Anderson. It's the best version of it. But I will say, I even as ridiculous as some of that casting was, and how just silly it was as an entity. I thoroughly enjoyed the Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, you think live. it's silly? I, oh, live. Sorry. Yes. The John, oh. the John Legend. The John Legend one with I dug uh, it. I dug it. Alice Cooper. I, I no, so Alice Cooper it. made me want to fucking punch holes in no. the wall. No, I was, no, no. I loved it. Okay, I, I, no, we're I, I gonna have it, it out then. No, we're there's, gonna have there, there's it out. there are plenty of better people that you could have gotten for sure. But it but was that, Jack Black but, but, being one for Herod. Oh yeah, he sure. Played Herod. But he needs to do it on stage or like in a real. Yeah, I want to see him do it on stage you know? right yeah I guess they wouldn't he have does gotten it... jack black for that i guess he does it on he does it like 
in the past when he's performed live, he will do Herod's song in his oh, shows. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah there's I like mean, weird little bootleg videos. It's definitely cool, around. but like with these live things, a lot of it also, I think, with the bigger ones, like with that one, was like bidding. It was like Alice Cooper was like, I am going to buy that role. And I hated <laughs> the guy that played Simon. The it was like the Danish. Pop We're gonna fight punk. later. We'll yeah, fight yeah, later. I, I hated it. It was super fun. Hey, uh, <laughs> but let's yeah, just different podcast, different day. So right. guess what happened uh, on January thirty first, nineteen oh one? Fine. Olga. Oh, MS thirteen ice cream truck just showed up. You guys. Oh. They're playing uh, sailing sailing. So it's gonna we're gonna listen to it like sixty times hey, before it leaves. Like uh, sticks, you know, one away. world, one love. Uh, I don't, you know, uh, I'm all for gang life. I'm all for uh, selling um, <laughs> pencils and and things like that. Out twine of, uh, with twine ice cream cones. Out of yeah, why not? Come on. <laughs> I'm just where's saying, the if hate? You, if no, if you hear if you hear an ice cream truck, it's me. It's fine. I just don't know <laughs> why fine. the specification of MS-13 has that. I've just been the, the silly joke the whole it's time, It's fine. <laughs> okay? okay. <laughs> I'm pro-gang is what I'm trying to say. Okay. I'm cutting all this. Okay, so – Actually, Scott, uh, put it what? in twice. Double it. Um, okay, Double so – Yeah, add it at the end of the episode you as well. So, <laughs> three sisters. Let's get into this because this is one of those uh, I I – have seen maybe mm, eight times um, and I've seen a hundred different adaptations of it. And I always like the adaptations more than I actually like the, the mm-hmm. performances Sh- of the real thing. Sure. Uh, this is, this is also my least favorite of the, yeah. of the big four yeah. um, for several reasons. But I think that it's interesting because <laughs> I think that the problem with productions of this are Two out of the three are always good, and there's always one crappy one of the three. Uh, sisters. Uh, one crappy sister. Sure. There's always one crappy sister, and you don't you don't know. And you know who it is. Get. It's always the is middle it always sister. A, is like, it always the same can, sister? But, no, no, no. Yeah, but you it's can, always the middle sister. Masha. No, I, yeah. I disagree. I, Masha. I, it's just always been for me. It's always one, one of the three, and you can usually pick them out within. 15 minutes and then the rest of the show is i gotta deal with this yeah i gotta deal with this arena <laughs> oh here she comes time. again oh here she comes <laughs> but it's, i've always um, found it's the one who's in the tryst it's the one who's in the like the love affair with the lieutenant right it, that's oh, yeah. masha oh that's arena Ma- right masha. no no i think masha. it's masha it's the middle sister oh masha. olga is the eldest She's yes. the one. Right. And Masha's the middle sister. And she's yes. the one who Sorry. is married, but when she, like, she got starts married, having she sex with Vershinen. She has the clandestine affair with. Vershinen, yeah. played by John Hamm in the LA Theater Works. Really? <laughs> I just, yeah. I remember I listened to the first act of it and I was like, who is this Vershinen? And then I looked up and I was like, oh, it's John Hamm. That's why. <laughs> uh, what translation did y'all read of this? I'm trying to find. Um, um, I read. I I did read Stopper. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. I read. I looked at uh, Tracy Letts's, but then it was. Oh, yes. It was just. Um, it was pretty random. It was whatever. We had saved on on the script or whatever that mm-hmm. I pulled up, and and it was different. Like I I was like, this is, like the differences the differences were weird. Like you could see um, 
why the translation is a big deal and and how it can cannot work. It's very delicate. And I think that what ends up happening sometimes is that the translations become uh, heavy on the tongue, if that makes sense, where mm -hmm. it's like it's it doesn't uh, it, it's a too brutal for a well, thing. Yeah, it feels like sometimes you're they're, they're, they're trying to yes. actively be theatrical or actively be of a time, right? That's what I always feel is that it's like right. when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, you're trying to sound old timey or like oh. you're trying to sound like how theater used to sound. You're trying to sound and it makes it, it to me takes away from what it's trying to do, which is ultra realism, right? right? Not naturalism. Right. That's different. Naturalism to me yeah, is Yeah, the Russians more, were all realism. Film based. Yeah, realism, right? Yeah, realism. Well, yeah, it with takes a away from R. that. With a capital does, R, right? It does. It does. And My translator for most of these was, this one was Christopher Hampton for me. Which gotcha. was like the big one for a very right. long time. I, LA Theater Works must have liked him because three of the translations that I listened to were Hampton. Yeah. And then and, one mammoth. And, and uh, I think... Well, we'll get into it more with, with Vanya, but Mamet, when Mamet went to translate Uncle Vanya into what was ultimately used in Vanya. The word seconds, fuck was in a lot of it. I don't know why. Well, because he, <laughs> because he distinctly, well, right. Uh, he, but he distinctly tried to Americanize it. Right. And Stoppard makes the distinction in his intro to the seagull about him distinctly trying to make it more fun for the actors in their right. mouths. Right. And, and I, th I think that that's where we get lost. When, when we start getting into dramatic criticism and literary analysis um, and, and start translating it that way, then we, we lose what's actionable. And yeah. um I think yeah. there are some translations that are like like Stoppard's or even there's just a few um, that I remember reading in college where I was like, oh, this is for the actor, hmm. like less so for the academic study or the actual understanding of what was meant at the time. It's like this is for the actor. And then there's some I would argue and I would say this is the one I read, which is Hingley. Um, let me double check his name. Yeah, Robert Hingley. Um, I just have a book of all of his. And it's, um, you can tell it's very for the audience, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it's no, very absolutely. literal and on the head. And yeah. it's like, I just don't like that. Like that, that to me is not as um, exciting. But I also think some of the ones where you're trying to Americanize or like add fucks and add this, other, other, I think it also is sort of, it's like you're not you're not translating, you're adapting at that point. Right. Agreed. Yeah, and and yeah, and there's there's a balance to be to be struck to be sure, sure. but it's um regardless, it, it it's still three fucking sisters and the impact that it's had is is pretty amazing. You know what what I noticed this time in in reading this? Hmm. Unlike the other sort of the, the other big three that we're we're gonna discuss, there's a lot of characters off stage that we don't see like natasha tons yeah yeah natasha has the whole they mention uh his name but popping off and did anyone have a popple i had a popple when i was a popple popping on a popple 
they roll not. up into a ball. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about. I had one. You, yay! But then, like, <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, you know, and but there's a lot of characters that we don't see um, yeah. on stage. I think which that, is a very Grecian thing. That's like very a, that Grecian. reminds me of like old Greek plays, right? Great Greek tragedies where it's like, ah, yes, and this person who you'll never meet and never see, but we're gonna talk about them at length. Right. <laughs> and this horrible, this giant event is gonna also happen off. The messenger that comes on and it. says, "Did you guys yes. just see that? <laughs> yes. Well, well, let it's me like, tell you about it. <laughs> well, it's like in Cherry Orchard, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the whole auctioning of the estate happens off stage. Right. right to and the point where and the, and the, the waiting you either pick up waiting, on it or you don't yeah and the waiting becomes the thing and um and like it's like stannis baratheon and uh and game of thrones like they talk about him for three seasons and then we and then meet him in season up. four and we're like okay <laughs> I, I was like who the fuck is this guy and now we know you know but pretty it, great he the thing i think in three sisters is that he hits all of his shit uh, in in yeah. that, and what I mean is like like memory and nostalgia, like yeah. these, the three women talking about you know, uh, the idea of being stuck, mm -hmm. uh, which is repeats the motif that repeats itself. The idea that uh, of time, time being out of grasp, or people can't control the time. The time is happening to them, and they sure. have no control over it. And seclusion. Yeah. seclusion and class and uh yeah. you know um did you guys I, notice i'd never noticed this before and it's funny that it doesn't I, I didn't find it in a lot of my research but the idea of the mentioning of work 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 the, every single play mentions work mm -hmm. the idea that you have to sit you have to put your hands into something you have to work in something which is a very Russian idea, I guess. So and, Russian. And so, and would become the basis of the revolution as things went on. But then right. it's- Well, it, it's all based in that. It's the Russian pride, but also the communist sort of like, we're all, you know, in this together and we all, but we, that means we all have to dig our heels in the dirt and, and, and fucking work with our hands. But that's, and that, that's why I mentioned that it's so interesting that he, the Chekhov exists in this, because he's dead 13 years before the revolution. That's true, right. And so he's, like he he's in the coming. transition team as, as the aristocracy is starting to fail, like yeah. miserably fail, the, the serfdom and that regular folks are, are rising up. And the idea of this focus on work, I just found it to be extraordinary on top of, you know, every, every single fucking play talks about trees and talks about birds. Right. He talks about trees and he talks about birds. So, and there can be all kinds of birds. There's <laughs> seagulls in some of them. And then in, uh, there's herons. And then there's, right. like, there's a hawk in one. Well, it's, it's, about really freedom, the right? it's about it's the, the, the flight of freedom. The Bird ability enthusiast. to... Yeah, Scott yeah, exactly. yeah, right, exactly. I dig it. I, I just dig it. Alien lover. Yeah, well, he was. I mean, I think that became, you know, had to have come out of just traveling the country and observing and you know what yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. what we don't as modern folk with our fucking electronics and all that the idea of just being silent i love that like in there's this uh well, fucking what is oh it's in the cherry orchard in act two in the cherry orchard we're all just sitting on a bench 
for like an hour just watching the river. Yep. <laughs> like it's it's fucking great. And we Tracy Letts is the closest person I've seen who 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 gets to that. Even in August Osage, like there's these quiet moments, these yeah. moments of peace that we don't reckon on. I'm sorry, I feel like I I'm think I think Miller moment. could have that if you if you directed it properly. Sure, sure. The I idea think. of um these pauses I had read um I had read and then I had a teacher years ago who said the thing that makes Chekhov funny uh, it, why Russians view it as you know laughter through the tears is that everybody in every Chekhov play is always talking to the wrong person hmm. whether they're revealing whatever they're revealing to themselves, they should be revealing it to, whatever they're revealing to the person they're talking to should be something that they're, should be revealing to somebody else. Right. And and, um, the, and the, as the audience picks up on that, then then it comes to life. That's when, you know, because everything becomes a life. Well, I, I was just gonna say, there is a line in this play that I think encapsulates kind of what, makes every Chekhov play go. Which and I don't is? I don't know which sister said it, but it was the only thing we have is our routine. Because mm. what happens in all of these plays is everyone is sitting there doing their day to day and then something or someone comes in and fucks up that routine. Yeah. And then it forever fucks everything else up. Even if they go back to point A by the end, people are different by the end of it. And the, I mean, I mean, you guys are talking about all these scenes where they're sitting on benches and stuff. The, the reason why people think Chekhovian plays are so boring because nothing quote unquote happens, but what happens is what's going on inside the characters mm. as opposed to right, they're some hangout big movie. event. They're yeah. fucking hangout movies. They're not about, it's like Dazed and Confused. What is that movie about? Smoke and weed. Is it? It's about the, <laughs> it's about the last, last day of, school before the summer yeah but is it like it's like no yeah. it's not like, it's that's not, the it's vehicle liter- right it's li- that's what it's literally about the but. vehicle is the last day of school before summer the vehicle of cherry orchard or the, the vehicle of three sisters is three sisters dealing with the potential of you know whatever right so it's like it, it's like th- those are the vehicles but at the end of the day it's about like human moments and just like moments and like shit that like we take for granted and 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 the daily, but also these conversations that we have that seem maybe massive to us, but just they don't mean anything. But then you put them in a context on stage, and it can mean a ton. It can mean it can be talking about the time that you're in. It can be t- blah blah blah. I could go on. The point being, did you guys uh, watch? This isn't the point. I don't know why I said that. But do you, <laughs> did, did you guys watch any uh, physical performances of this? I did not. No, just listen to I just to the, listened. I watched I've the seen, Broadway I've... HD film, the Laurence Olivier directed Ooh. Ooh. Um, one with uh, Joan Plowright, who is like uh. a favorite actress. <laughs> what a last name. Uh, you would know her maybe from like, I guess one of the last things she did was like Dennis the Menace. She's the, oh. uh, <laughs> she's okay. Mr. Um, she, she was married the to neighbors. Olivia. Oh yeah, right. But she was the neighbor's uh, wife or whatever. She's very she's amazing. My last name is Plowright. Plowright. She's uh <laughs> oh she the last thing she actually did was Spiderwick Chronicles, weirdly. Um, oh. 
Yeah, but she's got an amazing older them. British kind of. Uh, IMDb. You would know her if you saw her. She's yeah. one of those. She's, she's phenomenal. Plow right. Plow right. Yeah, uh, yeah I, like I would lesson. imagine she would fucking. She would kill it. Yeah, she was uh, Masha. Uh-huh. Um, and was apparently phenomenal. And then you have Gene Watts as Olga and uh, Louise Purnell as Irina. I did not know either of those actresses. Um, no, but they were those are those are like old school, like British theater, right. British BBC. And TV then stuff. I never, I I've heard his name pronounced both ways, but I always just call him Derek Jacoby. But people, uh, I've heard it Jacoby. Jacoby yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's Derek, J- Derek Jacoby, who is one of my favorite actors on the planet. He's pretty delightful. His Lear is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Ooh. And Ooh. his uh, uh, on the show Vicious, he and uh, Ian McKellen, I think I've talked about this on the pod before. There's a, there's a multicam sitcom, BBC sitcom called Vicious that is straight up laugh track sitcom with Ian McKellen and Derek Jacoby who are uh, partners in their old age but have never gotten married because they don't love each other enough and they have no it's brilliantly hilarious and um, (laughs) and the guy from who plays uh, fuck what's the guy from Game of Thrones who um, gets eaten by his dogs uh Fuck. Oh, okay. oh yeah, he was in the Motley Crue biopic. Yeah, yes, yeah. but specifically, what's the name of his character in Game of Thrones? Rimley? Ramsey. No. Ram- Ramsey. 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 Snow. Guy, yeah. Ramsey Snowbolt. You consider to be like one of the like you know most sinister parts of that show. He plays like the sweetest little like twink. Who they like crush on through the whole thing, and he just—he's a is, hell like, of an actor. He's brilliant on it, and it's all just like silly spoof and farce. It's like moment for moment one of the greatest shows ever. And there's only three seasons and a, or excuse me, two seasons and a Christmas special, which is exactly how it should be. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. How, that's um, all you need. The British way. Agreed. Uh, but Derek Jacoby is to me one of one of the ultimates. He was in that one and kind of stole it. He and well, he and Joan Plow, uh, Plow Joan Plowright were kind of the. Um, just maybe it's because I knew them already, but just really fucking steal the show. He's um, yeah, he changed my life when I saw Henry V in the theater, Ooh. and that opening with him delivering that that opening. Yeah. Oh, the chorus speech. Yeah, that when yeah. he plays over the, a muse of fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, in the you know backstage or you know on a film set, and then he opens the door, and then you're in. The, it's just fucking. And then God, I just God. watched him. I just watched him in. He plays. Um, he is a marvelous fucking um, Doctor Who episode. Uh, anyway, what? Which which Doctor? He uh, da- David Tennant. He plays Derek Jacoby. Plays the Death oh, Eater. One uh, uh, plays um, the Master. Um, if you're if you're a Doctor Who fan, the Master is his nemesis and his only. The Master is. Uh, the ultimate yeah but yeah, i know the other. one from legopolis from the old tom baker's yeah 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 no same he plays, guy same he, idea yeah he's he's basically the master has hidden himself and given himself amnesia um yeah. and then as he realizes who he is and as the doctor realizes who he is it's it's awesome and it's awesome to watch tenant like because tenant rules that show when he was on right like he like there's very few people that can go toe-to-toe with him Alex Kingston, she goes toe to toe with him, uh, and Derek goes pretty toe to toe with him. 
pretty awesomely. Hey, who played uh, who played Tuzenbach? So can we talk about Tuzenbach in in Three Sisters? Because I think he's the sadder one. Like he's the one that I don't can I connected with the most. I think. Who played him in the L.A. Theater Works? Do you know? I can't oh, remember. Oh man, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was it, someone it just, I didn't know in the um, in the movie. I can look it up. Um, but what like, a nerd. <laughs> uh, who played who played uh, Vershunin? Uh, I mean, was... Jacoby Daly. Uh, no, he was the brother. He was uh, oh. Ad, Andre. Yeah. Andre. Um, here I'm pulling it up. Right. Andre, that's one of the horrible characters in 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> oh God, He's what is 90 Day Fiance? Oh my it? God, it's just listen. It's been it's been my quarantine watch. There are so many fucking spinoffs and so many spinoffs of spinoffs, and it's yeah. garbage, and I love it. Oh, I didn't even. Re- so Ronald Pickup was Baron Tuzenbach. Okay, okay, right on. So you would, yeah. It, you definitely know him if you saw him. And then uh, yeah. Chibutakin was Laurence Olivier. Oh, of well, course. Of the course. doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's um, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I... Um, Does it have any Tonys? Has it ever won, like, a revival Tony or anything like that? I feel like it's it did, I did not have. find... I All I did was I wanted to check on um, um, the original production because... Um, Stanislavski and Danchenko, Danchenko, Vladimir Nemirovich Danchenko uh, co-directed. They co-directed it, which oh, is interesting right, right. because Stanislavski acts in some. Danchenko is really the reason that Chekhov became Chekhov. Oh, here you go. Unseen characters. Protopopov, head yeah. of the local council. Vershaninin, suicidal wife. Yes, and, yes, And her two yes. daughters. <laughs> Culligan's, there's a guy named Culligan, by the way. We never talked about that. Culligan's beloved superior, the headmaster of the high school, and Andrea and Natasha's children. Yes. Uh, I just looked up the guy who played Tuzenbach in Three Sisters in the L.A. Theater Works, Dan Donahue. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh. I know Dan. I think, okay. Yeah. Dan, um, nice guy. So here's an interesting thing uh, in terms of uh, Protopopov. <laughs> Is that Protopopov. I have no idea. He, he, Chekhov did some of it, like he was very particular about his revisions, like, like obviously with the Uncle Vanya thing where he totally re- rewrote the play. There are times where he goes in and tweaks things. So apparently he went in and tweaked so that the I suggesting the idea that that uh Protopopov, the character that we don't see, is the natasha's child um oh that they're that Bob, the affair that the, or yeah she, the, yeah she has a silly little nickname for him the whole time uh, uh bubik oh bu- right N- no bob bubik is definitely what's his name's kid this there's mm-hmm. a second kid named sophia that we don't see ah. that happens in that final act ah. yeah um can we talk real quick about so three sisters has that theme of being stuck and not being able to move forward, um, which was also, but it was also a metaphor. uh, Chekhov was being critical of Russian industry as he was seeing European and American industry starting to thrive that it, it was, it was a metaphor for 
that. Why are they stuck? Do they ever say why they don't just get up and fucking go back to fucking Moscow? Because then there wouldn't be a play, Scott. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I understand that. But they don't, though, do they? No. Well, yeah, the one sister's going to make it back. She's going to get married and get back. And then her her baron is killed. Thanks to Chekhov's gun. Right. Um, (laughs) Chekhov's gun. Uh, which drives me nuts in Cherry Orchard that there's Chekhov's gun in Cherry Orchard that doesn't get fired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Um, By the way, there's a uh, adaptation of this that's an opera. Oh, I bet that would be cool. Really? Uh, they just sit around and sing. I was going to say, that sounds boring as all shit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, it, any more boring than, well... I guess it depends. There's on the also a, a 2020, <laughs> apparently. It says in 2020, an adaptation of the play Three Sisters called. Uh, uh, oh, it's called Three Sisters by Enua Elams, set in Oweri, Nigeria, during Ooh, the wow. Nigerian Civil War. Whoa. Right. That's staged at the Littleton Theater in London. Ooh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty Here's cool. a few, real quick, I, I just want to rifle these off. There's a few really cool productions that have taken place of this thing. Okay, so you got like some stuff. You got John Gilgood does it in the 30s, and you got uh, some other random cool ones. But then, all right, Jessica Tandy plays Olga in 1963 mm-hmm. at the Guthrie, which is dope. And then you have Geraldine Page as Masha at the Actors Studio. (laughs) Jesus Christ. She would have killed that. Which sounds fucking amazing. You have Ellen Burstyn as, who's one of my favorite actresses on the planet, as Masha at the Brooklyn Academy of Music in 1970. Okay. That's right before she won the Oscar. Yes. And then you have... uh, where was the other one? Oh, oh, here's some just like cool people who have who have done it. Diane Weist, Weist, however you want to say it, as Masha in Manhattan Theater Club. And in that same production, you have Jeff Daniels as their brother. Ah! And mm. Sam Waterston as What? Bert. Oh, what that's a fantastic. dope production. That's you know, dope. For the longest yes. time, I believed that the only thing Jeff Daniels had ever done was Dumb and Dumber. I hate you. No, it just, it was like the time that I, I it was the only thing I saw. Purple Rose of Cairo, I... Something Wild. All right, Terms all right. Terms of Room, Pleasant of well, Okay, okay, okay. And I was about to say, then years Dumb and later, Dumber 2. Dumb and Dumber-er, thank you. Uh, um, no, Dumb and Dumber-er <laughs> is, the, uh, is the prequel. Okay, well, what I was going to say was, um, I then saw him in Newsroom and I was like, what? Wait, what? And now, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just an idiot child. Well, and then the he 90s. just did the. Didn't he win the Tony for. Uh, um, to Kill, to a, kill mockingbird? a Mockingbird? A Mockingbird, yes. Uh, that was. So that sounds pretty cool. I would have loved to watch that. There's also the Steppenwolf Theater production, which had Austin Pendleton and Joan Allen, which sounds dope. Yeah. Uh, I love Joan Allen, speaking of Pleasantville. Uh, and then you have. I, there was one other one that I thought was really cool. Oh. You have in the Roundabout Theater did a Jerry Stiller, Billy Crudup, Eric Stoltz, Lily Taylor, Paul Giamatti, Amy Irving, Callista Flockhart. Okay. Gene Triplehorn, David Strathairn. That was the fucking cast at Roundabout. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm I'm erect right now. I would have fucked. I know. I would have watched every second of that and checked. I would (laughs) have. 
I would have checked off myself. I would have been checking off the whole time. Don't point. Don't don't degrade my boners, CJ. Yeah. You um, are allowed I, to check off your boner right now. In the, 1990, <laughs> also, the Irish theatrical dynasty uh, did the thing where they took the three Cusack siblings, not yeah. the Cusack, not the Cusack, not those know, Cusacks, but the Sinead's and the yeah, Sorsha's yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they did it. And then there's been a bunch of other ones. Um, I feel like there's one other I wanted to say, but I, I've lost it. So it's fine. Well, I was just going to, I didn't want to bring up because I think um, the th- a thing that struck me and CJ, I'd love your feedback on this is, I think what's so interesting is 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 how Chekhov handles women. I, I I think he writes extraordinary women in context of being a, a woman in a very patriarchal society. Like all of his women have strength to them in a way that I don't know. Like Arthur Miller didn't write women like that, hmm. and he was fifty years later. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so I was just wondering, I I think that Chekhov admires women. You see him talk about them and and even though society around them might be different, like in context of scenes, they're always on pretty equal, powerful footing. So just wanted your your feeling on that. Well, I mean, this I mean, this is way in the future, but it reminds me of when we did Night Witches a couple years ago at Fringe, and we kind of got into the whole politics and 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 the Russian view of women. Is Night Witches a new work, or is that something that exists? it was a brand new work about um, the women's bomber fleets that were in um, that fought in World War II and killed Nazis, oh, and the cool. Night Witches were the one bomber fleet that was um, they only bombed at night. They went in and they bombed the Nazi camps, Great. and they were called the Nachthexen by the nazis night's witch yeah night witches it's like the coolest fuck name ever but it was this idea and of, of course this was more stalinist communism and stuff but it was the thing that like it's not necessarily that you're women it's that you're also people and you can work also um i th- i actually kind of had an interesting view and i know we're going to talk about this later but i got into a couple of his short stories and i was kind of interested in his view of women because there is a whole short story about a guy that um, has affairs all the time on his wife and he literally calls women the lower race. So I was kind of interested in Chekhov's view and relationships with women. And you felt like he was commenting on that. I just wondered. I didn't know if that was supposed to be him or if he was commenting on how other men felt about women in Russia. But I mean, I think to me, I didn't find many of these women interesting until I heard them read or saw them performed. And I just, I think they all, they're all so um, complex and yeah, I, I appreciate his women and they're all so different too. Yeah, that's for sure. They're all very different from each other, which you wouldn't expect from a thing like this, but they, they are. And I also, you know, I like how they all have different statuses. He's really playing with, especially in Seagull, which we'll get to. But like, I think uh, the interesting part about it, though, is that he seems very much not bothered by gender. Like, that's not really ever a theme in any of his stuff, right? He's not really. Which to me about seems it. very Russian. Sure, or even just kind of, oh, yeah, de- definitely because I feel like that's the case in in a lot of his work, but. Like, Ibsen and Strindberg are kind of obsessed with gender. 
Right. Well, that's what's interesting about some of Ibsen's plays. Cause, right. Yeah. Well, Which is it, why that this is interesting to me that he's so not, you know. Well, and I think it's something that ends up becoming a thing as, as the Russian Revolution happens. I mean, keep in mind, the, you know, the Russians, the Russians send a woman into space 20 years before America does. Right. Like the, the Russian Revolution and the, that, that was genderless. Right. You know, Marxism does not hold a place for gender. It doesn't, it, it is, you know, open. And, and you can see him as an intellectual, I think, trying to not grapple with it, but acknowledging it and acknowledging it that it's part of the change that's, that's coming. Man, there's a few quotes. I, yeah, I guess I just, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's the quote, there's, there's a few quotes that, where I think he he taps into a, um, a logic or um, a knowledge, you know. He, there's the uh, you know a woman be, a woman can become a man's friend only in the following stages: first as an acquaintance, next as a mistress, and only then as a friend. Hmm. I right. think that's a, is a fascinating quote for the time, especially. Well, and um, then I. I think you also get into Vanya too. And I have conflicting feelings about uncle Vanya and how women are treated in that, which we'll get mm. to it. But then I also like you saying that's got made me think of um, the last, which Alexander was, it was the last czar. Like they talked about how he loved his wife and he, he consult, even though he was a terrible czar and they were idiots, but like I, he so consulted it, her so in dumb. things, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I just, I think women were, I don't know if they were more valued, but they were differently valued than they have been in all their cultures, I guess. Certainly different than that. And I think that that might also be uh, a thing in terms of Americans or even the British dealing with these characters in these plays, you know. For sure. Um, well, before we, we go on our break, I just wanted to say um, the best thing to come out of all of this, you know, Russian culture and, and all these things um is the chernobyl miniseries oh my god oh my god i could just go on and on about it jared <laughs> so jared we're gonna harris, do an I hour love on you. that i love you quick. jared harris yes <laughs> yeah jared harris for prez um <laughs> but i just feel like uh we could do an hour long on that oh my god can oh. we do a special episode and relate on it? it and relate it back to like chakovian time yeah yes. i mean it's just so it was just so perfect like encapsulation of it's the first thing i've ever watched where while i was watching it i was I've been uncomfortable watching things, but I've never actually felt the need to like brush myself off every once in a while and be like, "Am I covered? In <laughs> Am I covered? <laughs> Am I covered in radioactive <laughs> dust?" Well, the last um, thing I have to say about, about Chernobyl that I love about it is the science behind all of it and what happened. By the time that series was series was over, I knew exactly what happened. Right. The writer and the director of that just did a beautiful job explaining complex science to someone right. like me that knows nothing about it. Right. And without having to like go too deep into like like it, now it did the human thing. I understood character. I was with all like you know especially Jared Harris, but like. In general, it was more just educational, where the whole time I was like, yeah. oh, oh, I thought it was this. Oh, it was cool. It was really fun. I fucking enjoyed it. We Everyone watched Chernobyl. For three hours. Um, 
Do you guys remember in Chernobyl? Um, Do you guys remember <laughs> in Chernobyl? <laughs> um, anyway, we should uh, we should finish up our our three sisters. That you said you had some quotes you wanted to throw. Uh, yeah, out there? yeah. There's just a couple that just that just okay. you know that are classic okay. and and repeated in literature. And yeah, do it. Okay. <laughs> do you see that tree? It is dead, but it still sways in the wind with the others. I think it would be like that with me, that if I died. I would still be part of life in one way or another. Just thought that was fucking sad and beautiful. Wait, and... what? I fell asleep. Oh, oh that on. was sweet. Come on. That was <laughs> sweet of CJ. Uh, no, I like that line. That's a nice no, line. No, I like it. It's, it, uh, it's, it's, um, um, it, 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 it's Tuzenbach. Uh, uh, the you know, Baron? The yeah. one himself. Um, and then, um, then the other one is I've never been in love. I've dreamt of it day and night, but my heart is like a fine piano. No one can play because the key is lost. Mm. But you know, three sisters, man. I mean, it 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 ripples through twentieth century literature and twentieth century drama like a motherfucker. Yeah. Um, you know, Tracy Letts. Um, uh, Christopher Durang, virtually every, right? every, playwright, every playwright that we've covered, you know, um, that's the one. It's my least favorite, but I think that's the one that's probably the most famous. Am I lying? Sure. I yeah, know. I go along with that. Uh, I really like this line from it. It's um, here's the story of a lovely lady who was caring for three very lovely girls. All of them had I like hair it of when gold, they talk about Chernobyl. like their mother, the youngest one in curls. <laughs> Her name is Anina. Anona. Anona. <laughs> They're all named Nina or Masha or something. They're all named Chicona, Flanona, Chipotada. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> um, let's let's get off the the three sisters cuz they're attractive but get off on the three sisters no bro is my you need to stop checking name. off we're not to uncle bonnie yet stop damn. checking off all over the place okay oh, so oh we are a bunch of idiots to be sure thanks so much for joining us for this first part of our uh, checkoff series be sure to check out the next episode which will cover the cherry orchard uncle vanya and the seagull as we explore the great Russian master Chekhov. Big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our special Three Sisters song for this episode. Um, and then, oh, I hit that. Um, and then also a big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our amazing theme song. Thank you all so much for joining us. Check us out on social media, Theater Theater Pod. Thanks for joining us. We'll leave you with a little bit more Pamela Quinn. Thanks for joining us. Peace out. Teach a girl to marry and she'll marry well she will. And I would have married them if they had asked me still. I hold you close and keep you safe, my daughter, so you seem. My life is just a lesson taught, the rest seems like a dream. Thought I knew just what I wanted, but I'm haunted by my choice. A girl so young, her life ahead, you know that she won't have a voice. I remember being happy, I remember when things were good. I teach a girl to marry and show.